Welcome to FFB Unwrapped, Episode 8. This is your host, Perry Aston, joined by my co-host, Adam Stark. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, Perry? Doing well, man. Special guest today, DFF Madman. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Host of Dynasty Trades HQ, senior editor, writer, and analyst for DFF Dynasty as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy. How are you doing today? My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm doing great. I don't know that our weather is as nice as yours out there in California, but I'm having a pretty good day over here nonetheless. Yeah, as you guys know, I'm always chilling here in this beautiful weather in California. I always love to bring on my Midwest and East Coast guests and rub in, of course, the fact that I'm chilling under the palm trees in my tank top while they are shivering out there watching sports. So we are on different wavelengths, but it is a good time to be a, a L.A. fan right now, except for the... LeBron slander. So I know this is the fantasy football podcast, but I don't know if you guys saw those yeah, missed free throws. Yeah, he, he hits the, the clutch three-pointer, then can't make the two free oh, throws. Oh, man. And, you know, on Twitter, Lakers fans, it's such a big group, so you can't say we're the worst fans. We just have the most <laughs> worst fans since we are such a big group. Right. But we're looking at it on Twitter. It's Someone literally said, make sure you trade LeBron now while he still has trade value. Get us a star that's going to try. I literally was like, dude, please delete your account. Like, this is, you have the best player to ever play on a four year contract, and you're asking him to trade him. Okay, Lakers stands, Kobe stands, let go. Well, I know we're in LA here, but it's going to be prettier times. At least the weather's good, right? (laughs) We're going to jump right into some fantasy football today, guys. Before we do, I want to remind you to find our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. If you're on there, make sure to leave us a review and a rating. Much appreciated, guys. Wanted to remind you to follow us on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped. You can follow Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston, And, of course, our special guest at DFF underscore Madman. Let's get into it, guys. Let's start with some Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars talk. What do you guys think about this? Jeremy, I'm going to ask you first. What this kind of means for fantasy implications for Carlos Hyde, for the Jaguars, for Fournette, everything with that situation moving forward. What are your take on that? Hey, I don't know what's going on with Fournette, how injured he is. I tend to think he's probably more than the Jaguars are letting on. Seen some chatter about that just because, you know, they did trade for another running back and Yeldon's been doing really well. No surprise in Fournette's absence. So I don't know what to think there. Maybe they IR Fournette. So that that's an unknown. I, you know, he's a hold for me. I, what are you going to do with the guy? Uh, you want to wait till he's doing well again, and and maybe trade him if you're going to do that. But kind of got to sit on him. Hyde's value obviously took a hit, right? Because he right. was starting in Cleveland. He was getting all the carries, and you, you know, to my dismay and others, um, because if you own Nick Chubb. You want to see Chubb get some carries. You want to see him get some love, and he just wasn't getting much. I also like Hyde, of course, Ohio State guy. Not a bad running back to have as a secondary guy, or even your starter for a period of time. He's he's not terrible. Right. But I was sad to see him go because I like him, and I thought the Browns finally, finally had sort of a, a, a stable of running backs in a position of need, a position of great injury impact, you know, potential, right? So... They finally had it, and then they only got a fifth-round pick. But he's in his last year of the deal, first and last year of the deal. So they probably thought, we'll get something rather than nothing out of him, and, and we're going to start Chubb anyway. So perhaps that's what fed into it. So I'm torn. You know, in fantasy football, everywhere I owned Hyde, you know, he took a hit. He's not going to be a guy I plug in every week. But Chubb is. It's necessarily the same team, though. <laughs> I had Hyde on my main team, of course, and he was chilling around my RB2 behind Zeke Elliott. And at this point, he's dropped from an RB2 to a flex play, as you've said. Maybe RB3, depending on the format of your league. But 
He yeah. has been a workhorse. He's the kind of running back that he gets better with volume. He gets better as the game goes on, as he continues to hit the defense. At first, he might even be a little bit slower, but as he continues to reach towards 20 touches, 25 touches, he's having a great game just because of the amount of pounding he's able to do on that defense. You see, if he's doing a split back kind of thing, even though I know you can consider that he was doing that in Cleveland with Chubb and Duke Johnson Jr. getting limited touches as well, even though he was in what you call a stable, he still was very productive, 114 rushes, 382 yards, and five touchdowns through six games. You know, he's had over 900 rushing yards his last two seasons as well. So he is a workhorse. He's a great running back to have. But now this question I have is with Yeldon, kind of the Tevin Coleman to the Devontae Freeman of this situation, or maybe yeah. a James White to a Sony Michelle kind of situation, never helps a running back when you put him with another guy who has value. Then someone's value is going to have to take a hit. Or it's going to be a completely lopsided setup, and I don't see Carlos Hyde being the only running back running there. And if he is, it's pretty much going to be him running as Fournette until Fournette gets back. But as we spoke about before, who knows what's going on with Fournette with that injury. I know the organization is very frustrated since they did set up the entire offense around him, and his injuries have lingered. And I know that might not necessarily be his fault. Still, just the fact that they built everything around him, and now that he's not there, they're having to go elsewhere, and it's just not working. And Blake Bortles, look what's going on with him. They sat him for Cody Kessler last game, had a talk after the game, and now they're saying that he's going to be starting. The passing game is going to be off while they're getting Carlos Hyde used to this offense. For this week, at the very least, I'm going to say stay away from Carlos Hyde if you have better options, yeah. just because you want to see how he kind of works in this offense. Adam, do you have a take on the Carlos Hyde situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, Carlos Hyde definitely takes a hit, and I think this was the Jaguars more or less going out and getting a guy because they realized they're not really much without Fournette, so yeah. they needed someone who would actually kind of change the game, and yes, Yeldon's fulfilled uh, nicely in Fournette's absence, but I think Hyde's a better player, and they probably just offered a, a fifth-round pick, seeing if what they could get, and I think the Browns bit, knowing they have Nick Chubb, and it just worked out. It, for me, it's did the Browns even shop him? I'm sure there's other teams that might have been able to give up a third or a fourth, and you see the Amari Cooper trade, which will kind of transition us into that. He just They gave up a first-round pick for him, the Cowboys, and I know that that's definitely a bit, a bit of a reach, but when you're putting a first-round pick a fifth-round pick, the pick compensation that Josh Gordon got from the Patriots. You were able to see the difference of, I guess, situational timing because a lot of these yeah. players are worth similar picks. You know, Jarvis Landry trade, all of these guys, like third rounds, fifth rounds throwing around, and then you have Amari Cooper with a first round, you know, for him. I want to ask, Adam, I'll start with your opinion on this Cooper to Cowboys situation. I got some notes on it, but I want to get your raw reactions, guys. Yeah, I know they're kind of shopping him, and the Cowboys had had interest in him a few days ago, and there was some speculation that this could actually happen, and it did. I mean, Amari Cooper, is he's a talent, and I don't know if he's actually just really, really good and just can't get the hang of things, or if he just isn't good at all and the Cowboys are crazy. But I've heard good things. Charles Woodson said he's a freak of nature. It's not his talent is why the reason they traded him. He just didn't work in that system. He didn't work with Derek Carr. So hopefully a new system, new team, new quarterback, maybe that helps him out, re revitalizes right. him, and 
brings him back to this first round caliber player he is. Yeah, and he, sometimes just a change of pace, you know, change of scenery is what you need. Cooper is a two time Pro Bowler. You know, he is under contract till 2019. His 280 receiving yards this year, although it might not have been the flashiest season, still would be ranked second on Dallas's roster currently. For what he's bringing to the team, you have a 24-year-old, two-time Pro Bowler who's still on contract and has all the talent in the world. It's just he hasn't been able to put it all together, at least in this last season, where it's been one game he's putting up 200 yards and 15 touchdowns. The next game, he's completely goose-egged. So it's very frustrating for fantasy owners, but I put that more on the situation he was in and not necessarily on Amari Cooper. I want to get your take on this, Jeremy, for the Cooper to Cowboys situation. Yeah, I'm a, you know, a dynasty guy. I love dynasty fantasy football and love football, too, and, and, and redraft. But, you know, in dynasty, Cooper has been, you know, he's offered a conundrum to people. Anybody who got him in a startup generally paid high price for him. Yeah. Um, they gave up a lot to get him, and that's fine, as long as you're getting a lot back, right? As long as the return on investment, you know, is what you expect to get. It's fine. I, I use this analogy all the time because I don't have a Ferrari and I really want one. But, you know, it's, it's okay to... To pay for a Ferrari, if you're getting a damn Ferrari, if you're driving one, that's fine. If you're getting a Prius, but paying for a Ferrari, bad idea. And that's kind of what Amari Cooper's been for a long time. Now, maybe these owners are going to start getting that appreciation on their investment. They're going to get that wide receiver one, consistent wide receiver one, that they paid wide receiver one prices for. Right. Um, so for me, I think the situation in Dallas is unequivocally better. He's going to be a starting wide receiver, a team that wants to win now. He. He fits them, right? You're not the first round pick is really nothing to Dallas when you're getting a guy who's only 24, who's seasoned in the league for a few years. Exactly. Still young though. They're not. What are they going to get with that first round pick? I was looking into the class for next year as well, and the draft class isn't looking very star studded. It's not looking very consistent as a first rounder. You want to know what you're getting when you when you get a first round pick. You're hoping that it becomes the kind of guy of a Khalil Mack or you know an Amari Cooper type of talent. And yeah, maybe he might not have been the most consistent guy coming into the league right now throughout his entire career. But you heard the accolades that I mentioned: two-time Pro Bowler. He is on a friendly contract, and he has had very good seasons, hence the Pro Bowls. So he has it in there. Dak Prescott needs a guy. It's ridiculous what they got going on there. It's just not working. Of course, with a bunch of number two, number three guys together. You don't make a number one. You got to throw someone on there that adds that different dimension as that Des Bryant kind of quality. And I know a lot of people are saying we could have signed Des Bryant back for zero draft picks, which I think right. was which I think was funny. But at the same time, there's a reason why Des Bryant's not a cowboy. And he's been sitting here waiting, tweeting at Jerry Jones practically from his couch, asking him to re-sign him. And Jerry Jones doesn't want him on that team for a reason. So if you're going to go another route... At least you're getting that same type of skill set, not the same caliber of player, I would say, because we haven't seen it all from Amari Cooper yet. But for a first-round pick, I think the Cowboys have done pretty good in recent drafts. I think they're pretty confident with the roster that they have. And I think a first-round pick to them isn't as important as finding a guy that they know is a piece that they need. They know what they have. And I feel like it's a good fit for both sides. The Raiders now have three 2019 first-round picks. Yeah. You know, they traded Cooper and Khalil Mack. Three of the last six first-round picks on that team are no longer on the team. So the Raiders are completely flipping. And speaking of that, we're going to transition to some fantasy injuries, particularly starting with Marshawn Lynch. What does this mean for anyone else on Oakland's squad? Jeremy, I'll ask you first. Well, I think... You know, the consensus is now that Richard is going to get the bulk of the carries. They do have Washington. They, you know, they have some backs to, 
to pick up the slack. I think it hurts fantasy in a way. Well, it doesn't hurt the people who own those players, but it, I think it's going to be more of a split. But it definitely hurts the Marshawn Lynch owners, right? Because this was a guy that was a running back, too. Yep. In points, helping a lot of teams I saw in Dynasty didn't even have him on the roster anymore. In some of my leagues, he got picked up off of waivers, you know, in the recent past. So he was free to them, and here's a running back, too, for free on their roster that they could use to potentially win that championship game. So it's a big loss. I don't know how it's going to shake out. Oakland is a it's a really strange place, you know, the, the future Vegas Raiders. I don't know what to think. Washington isn't much different. If you ask me. Doug Martin there too, and I don't know how Doug Martin's going to be playing with more touches either. But Adam, he's continue. still alive. I, I didn't know. Yeah, he's still alive. I I think Richard will be the guy who gets the carries. I think he'll be more beneficial in PPR half point PPR leagues rather than standard. Agreed. Uh, he could have a lot of uh, upside in garbage time though. There could be a lot of just little meaningless points. He starts out with two the whole game, and he manages to get twelve or thirteen by the end of the game. So I definitely think Richard can have that type of upside. Doug Martin is kind of just long shot in the dark. I mean, yeah, I don't want him in Dynasty. I don't want exactly. Doug. Mar- I don't yeah. want Doug Martin in anything. Yeah, I totally like, agree. It, it's kind of like I look at it as the Dumb and Dumber scene where he <laughs> professes his love to Mary and he goes, "What's my chances?" And she goes, "One in a million. And he goes, "All right." So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Doug Martin. It's like. I guess there's a chance. But the sunk cost guys love Doug Martin, right? I I refuse to give him up, you know? I'm not going to get past the sunk cost. I'm just going to keep this guy. And listen to my bad week. Marshawn Lynch is running back on my squad, of course. He goes down with a groin injury that I had a feeling was going to put him on the IR before they officially put him on the IR. I have Carlos Hyde as well. This week in particular, yeah, Carlos Hyde goes from a consistent RB2 to... Probably a flex play now, and he wasn't even playing last week. Marshawn Lynch, RB2, maybe top-end flex play, depending on how you look at him, out for the year. And then, of course, Chris Carson was on my team who had a bye, and the only guy left for me was going to be Ezekiel Elliott. I needed to put in a second running back. I actually had to go pick up someone last minute because of the Carlos Hyde trade and went and got LeGarrette Blunt and put him in. Because that was the last guy I had. He actually put up 50 yards. Hey, yeah, paid 50, 50 yards and yeah, a touchdown. I, I, was, I was going between him and Chris Ivory, and I just couldn't get myself to put in Chris Ivory knowing that LeGarrette Blunt has the potential to just be a vulture all year with Patricia and that weird fixation that he has on bringing the Patriots with him over to you know the Lions. Made a decent choice there, but you had to hear my bad luck. To have Hyde and Lynch in the same week and have that news both drop on the same day definitely hurt <laughs> hurt a little bit. And, you know, my guys in the group chat definitely broke the floodgates with that one and talked tons of shit to me. But, yeah, awful luck for me this week, but we're always figuring out plan Bs. I actually got Alex Collins in a trade for Taylor Gabriel straight up, and I'm totally okay with that just because I have receivers out of my ass. My bad luck was just for this week. I'm speaking into an existence. We're having wins again this week. Wins for all of our listeners. Wins for my guests. Wins for my co-host and wins for me. Nothing but positivity on the show today. Uh, I like I like your optimism, my friend. Yeah, friend. that's what we're talking about. We got Albert Wilson out potentially for the year as well. Want to hear your take on this one, Adam? To start off, he did have a couple huge explosive plays for the Dolphins this year, and he has been a big pickup for them. So this is a big loss. What do you think, and what does this mean for the Dolphins' fantasy value? I never considered him a huge factor, someone we must have. He was there. He was a guy who you wanted to keep your eye on. And I kind of thought it was funny how he kind of said he was the best run-after-the-catch wide receiver. And it kind of 
sucks that he got hurt and couldn't really prove himself to Golden Tate because Golden Tate did prove himself to Albert Wilson that he is the best and not Albert Wilson at the yards after catch. But I think the hit to Albert Wilson gives maybe Devontae Parker a little bit of light with this broken Miami's wide receiver core. Yes. Danny Amendola will definitely pick up a little bit. Kenny Stills is actually currently fighting with an injury also. So if you're looking into this week, it's going to be Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson both out. Now you're looking towards, like you said, Danny Amendola and possibly... Jakeem Grant's out there, too. Jakeem Grant, If you want to shoot shoot for the stars, he could be something. He he could get that 70-yard touchdown or even a punt return. Yeah, we got Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker both on our fire waiver wire this week. We will move on to the fire waiver wire in a little bit and get more into those. Dolphins right now, I think the one person that takes the biggest hit would probably be Tannehill, who's coming back from an injury anyways, and now he has limited options. I don't see Tannehill in a good situation whatsoever, and I'm not an Adam Gase fan at all. So I wouldn't be starting or streaming Tannehill depending on where he is in your league. Let's do a hot and cold segment first. I'd say the number one guy is probably James White, just with this injury of Sony Michelle that's going on right now. I think with that offense and how explosive they've been with Edelman coming back and although Gronk is starting to deal with some injuries, I think if Gronk gets back to himself and Sonny Michel does miss significant time, although his MRI came back good, he should only miss a couple weeks, but you'd never know with the Patriots and how much information they give out. So James White will be the featured back for at least one to two weeks, and I don't really expect Kenyon Barner to do much, but... And again, the Patriots are weird, and Bill Belichick is weird, and he likes to put random running backs you've never heard of in and give them touchdowns. It could happen. You remember the the Deion Lewis emergence of, what was it, last year or the year before? No one expected him to do anything at all, and then him to become that consistent back last year for the Patriots for a bit and get himself that contract in Tennessee, just such a Belichick move. You don't know... Who's going to be that guy this year if they're going to go sign someone? So I totally agree that it's going to be a weird mix behind James White, but that's my number one guy for the hot segment as well. He was already kind of a top 15, top 20 play for me, especially in PPR settings. Now he's a top 10 play, maybe even a top 5 in all settings, at least moving forward with how this offense has been rolling lately. I also have Danny Amendola, a guy that we kind of just brought up. Yes. He's been playing very well right now, especially in Brocktober. You know, Brock Osweiler in Brocktober, 18 targets. Danny Amendola's been one of the number one guys, and with all these injuries, he is a veteran. He does know what's going on. Devontae Parker is not doing very well in regards to rapport and really feeling good chemistry-wise with this team. So if anyone really benefits the most, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be Danny Amendola. Regardless, his stock is hot right now. And I got Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack had an amazing game last game, and he his snap percentage was above 55-60%. I'm not a big split-back kind of guy for fantasy, but Marlon Mack played very well, and he's clearly the most talented guy on that running back group. Doing great. Yeah, I do think if the Colts are trailing, though, that Naheem Hines would be the featured back. But if they are winning games and trying to have that ground and pound, it's definitely going to be Marlon Mack. Depending on who they play would be my take on that. But Marlon Mack, more times than not, would be your starter clear-cut. He's more of just a flex play, I would say, right now. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it's going to be a game script kind of situation for the Colts. A lot of these games and a lot of these players that we talk about 
maybe they might not be on the best teams, but this is fantasy football. So if you're losing a lot, you're going to be having to go to your skill players, a lot of garbage time. So these guys will be benefiting from being down a lot if you're on the offensive side of the ball. Now, Jeremy, do you have any hot for me before we move on to our cold segment? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one of mine was definitely Amendola. And, and you spoke about Albert Wilson already. You know, he was basically at the fringe of wide receiver two material. Guy was basically free before the season as well, super cheap anyway. And, I, you know, I don't look week to week necessarily or focus on, you know, my starting lineups. Of course I do, but sometimes glean a lot of help on my starting lineups myself from week to week. But, you know, in the short term, you're looking at Amendola because of those those injuries and the, the receiver situation in Miami. But beyond that, obvious guys that I've been into for a while and are hot now and will continue to be Nick Chubb at running back, of course. George Kittle, tight end. He's been a big key to some of my team's success in the recent past. I got him super cheap like third and fourth round, even in late rookie drafts. And, and so he's somebody that you want to pursue simply because the, the situation in San Francisco is so uncertain. You know, right. the backup quarterback, you have wide receivers in disarray. There's one guy that's a key every week, and that's George Kittle. That can help you win your championship game. So he's somebody that I would pay for, for sure. You know, everybody's steering clear of Tennessee and Derrick Henry, and I was never a huge Derrick Henry fan. I, you know, I thought he was overrated. Unlike Adam. Too, Adam has been yeah, a... Yeah, too tall. I mean, he's yeah, good. Exactly. There's no doubt. <laughs> Adam has been good. a stand. He looks like a freaking nature. He should be yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Will, listen to me. The guys that are selling him off cheaply right now, take advantage of that. I'm still sticking to buy Derrick Henry, and the reason is simple. It's a new offense, right? Altogether new. New coaching staff. They've had all kinds of setbacks. Mariota's health. Look what Mariota just did this past week. All jokes aside, I mean, he had a he had a solid week. That's going to continue. That offense is going to be implemented well, and sooner or later, you are going to see Derrick Henry be the beneficiary. So, in the short term, you want to buy a guy like that because his value is good, and he's probably never going to be cheaper. So, that's the kind of guy I look for. Derrick Henry, you know, obvious plays. Your money's well spent on George Kittle and Amendola. Gosh, man, he was. He was like my last round pick in the Scott Fishbowl, right? I think he was my <laughs> last pick. And now he's going to pay off. Oh, yeah, definitely. And for cold, I want to move on to some players that are a little bit cold right now. TJ Yeldon for me, especially with Carlos Hyde coming to town. He is going to lose a lot of touches, but he's going to still be active in the passing game. He still has found a role on this offense, but he's nowhere near a RB2 anymore. I would say he is a desperate flex play, at least for this week moving forward when you have absolutely no idea how this is going to shake up with Carlos Hyde being active this coming week. I also have Alfred Blue with Lamar Miller actually playing well again, and this was <laughs> starting to become a two-man backfield. Even Blue starting to get a little bit of the bulk of the carries, especially with Lamar Miller dealing with lingering injuries and just struggling a lot. He had a good game last week, and it's going to continue moving forward. I already mentioned his name earlier, but Ryan Tannehill, extremely cold. You're coming back from an injury. You have lost a lot of your guys that are in your receiving core. I'm not a big fan of the coaching staff in Miami anyways. So for me, Ryan Tannehill takes a big hit here, and he is a very desperate play for the weeks moving forward until this team gets a little bit healthier. Who do you have for any of your cold players, Adam? One guy I got is uh, Dalvin Cook. I think not because he's 
bad or anything, but just because of the performance Latavius Murray has been putting on in his absence, I think he's looked excellent, and Dalvin Cook is still having a lingering hamstring injury, and I really think the Vikings are going to take their time on this and make sure that he's good for the playoffs for the Vikings rather than the fantasy playoffs like some of us would hope. So I definitely think even when Dalvin Cook comes back, gets the bulk of the load, and is healthy, I I think Latavius Murray could steal carries and even touchdowns right at the goal line. Yeah, he could be a vulture, especially a goal line vulture. Jeremy, what are at least one of your cold players? I actually look for opportunities to buy low and get a value. So some of the players you mentioned as maybe cold, I'm looking to buy, like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, guys that I'm not going to be able to purchase Usually, at a bargain, I'm going to have to pay a lot, much like the stock market. I'm just looking to buy something as low as I, I possibly can, and, and hopefully it appreciates. Some guys that concern me, and you know, Blake Bortles really isn't one. You know, I, I like Blake because garbage time Blake, right? He's, he's throwing <laughs> exactly. those. You put him in as your second quarterback in a super flex, and he's throwing for 100 yards in the fourth quarter. You know, I don't, I don't know who I would say steer clear of, but interestingly enough, Amari Cooper to me presents a buy and a sell opportunity, a hot and a cold, right? Yeah. I have him in one place, and I am definitely selling him. I have all kinds of trade offers for him. He's the only guy on my block in that league. He's somebody that, you know, of course, his stock is rising. He's going to do better in Dallas, fresh start. How could he do worse? I mean, I guess is the uh, argument. Don't need to overanalyze it. This is a great opportunity, and it's a good opportunity to get out from under him in a place where I spent a very, very high pick several years ago in drafting him. Yep. So, um, you know, he's somebody that, that I'm looking to move. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the players you've mentioned as your hot and cold as far as performances in the, you know, in the coming weeks. I look at it more for coming weeks, especially with a lot of news going on. For me, even if you haven't played very well or if, if you have played well, regardless, I look at this more of a hot and cold for this coming week. For me, it's with all the news going on. That's why Tannehill's made the list, of course, with the injuries. Alfred Blue with Lamar Miller's emergence again. Yeldon with the trade. You know, James White injury. Danny Amendola injury. Marlon Mack just because everybody else sucks there and he's the only one that's emerging. But if you heard with the exception of Marlon Mack, every one of those players was only hot or only cold for me because of situations around them. Situational, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Context I matters in, in any kind of fantasy football. Context matters. You have the key on that. You don't need to overanalyze every situation and, and know the metrics for every player, right. but you definitely need to be keen on situations and trends and, and just you know almost becomes instinctive at that point who to, who to pick up, who to get rid of. Fan- fantasy football is trends. You know, It's trends, volume, yeah. it's you being able to predict moving forward. It's the next man up mentality. So trends are always going to be the number one thing. If you have the best draft, that's why people tell me, Oh, you win your fantasy football league in the draft. Someone actually told me that. And I said, yes. no. Yeah, that's what you want to do. Yeah, and I said, I said, yeah, I think you build your infrastructure in the draft. Of course you want to hit a home run, but this is a week-by-week basis. You always have to be looking at what's going on around. You always have to be looking at news. You're not able to always pay attention yourself. Just put on this podcast for one hour every week and listen to me and listen to Adam and listen to one of our guests talk about who we think you should do and just listen to us. I got a couple players that are in the microwave, not hot, not cold. Kind of just took them out of the pantry. I'm putting them in the microwave right now, starting to warm up. Cardinals players, I'm particularly talking about Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. McCoy, their offensive coordinator, who is one of the worst play callers I've ever seen. (laughs) I've 
I have ever seen. This is baffling. I can't even come up with enough words about some of the plays that I've been able to. When I broke down some tape about the Cardinals before I really wanted to get into this, I was walking away from my computer. I had to go smoke a cigarette one time because I... <laughs> so, you know, for me, I'm. it was very frustrating. But with Fitzgerald and David Johnson, you know, these are two of the most talented guys in the league. You got Rosen, who is very talented. He's very confused right now and very all over the place because of the offense that he's in. But he is a good player, and he's going to do well with a little bit more direction, a little bit more coaching. And if Fitzgerald isn't the main beneficiary from this because of the fact that it's kind of reliant on Rosen, at least David Johnson is going to be for me. So if you're a David Johnson owner, I would stay strong right now. I really think you're going to start seeing, not the David Johnson of two years ago, but you're going to start seeing flashes of that move forward and you're going to start seeing the offense at least trying to help him out a little bit and give him some more opportunity so if you're a david johnson owner as of right now i wouldn't say he's hot or cold but he's in the microwave and definitely keep an eye on that going forward oh yeah bye 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 i've been trying to get him by for hard. a couple of weeks now yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple of teams that are struggling at running back injuries and and just i don't look to always have hey i need two i need three in a, one, in a start one running back league, I'm fine with just having one because I'm starting five wide receivers or what have you. But the point is, uh, I've been going after him because he w- he presented a, a value. Again, like I could get him more cheaply than ever before, but I've been having some trouble doing so. But you're right. That's a guy to go after now. The talent is there. That offense certainly is going to get better. And if it doesn't, hey, DJ is going to be playing somewhere else at some point, but you got to play your cards. No, I totally agree. And with DJ, he's such a great talent. It's so sad to see him just dying in this offense. With that change, Byron Leftwich hasn't had any actual offensive coordinator experience, but he's been on that coaching staff for a while now. He's seen winning with Bruce Arians. He's seen how offensives actually run. He had a very good career, so I'm confident that they have a guy that's already in-house that they can just kind of thrust into a new spotlight and completely switch everything. I think this is going to really help instead of completely hiring at a house, starting a new system. Hopefully he gains respect in around the team quickly. This is a guy that I'm sure is a player's coach and people want to play for him or at least we're rooting for him when this job opened up. We're going to move on to our fire waiver wire for week eight and see some of the names we've already brought up, but want to kind of hear if there's any other names that I've left off this list that really intrigue you guys or any particular names on this list that jump off the most. I'm going to start with Kenyon Barner, New England, Jalen Richard, Oakland, Doug Martin, Oakland, Martavis Bryan, Oakland, Jakeem Grant, and Devontae Parker, both with the Dolphins, Chris Ivory, Buffalo, Traquan Smith, and Ben Watson, both with the Saints. Raheem Mostert, the 49ers. Tajay Sharp, Tennessee. Spencer Ware, Kansas City. And Chris Herndon, New York Jets. The one I really like on there is Traquan Smith. I think he probably has the most value out of all the guys there, given he has a great quarterback. Other good receivers around him with Michael Thomas, Meredith there, certainly can catch touchdown passes. Ben Watson, too. And especially with Ingram coming back, they can really get a run game going and maybe start revitalizing this pass game yeah. and get them going, even though Ted Ginn just went down. That's the reason why I have him on this list with the Ted Ginn injury. Traquan Smith, I would pick him over a guy like Cameron Meredith right now. I think he's got that talent yep. and that explosiveness that I look for in an offense led by Drew Brees. So I really do like that one a lot. Martavius Bryant is interesting just because of the fact that Amari Cooper's gone now and Derek Carr is not going anywhere and they're still going to try and be competitive at the very least. And if not, he's just going to throw a ton of garbage time. 
So I think Martavis Bryant's going to be interesting, but yet frustrating week in and week out because he doesn't have the skill set to take on the role that he's about to have to, but he is going to see a lot more targets and a lot more opportunity than he's used to as well. So he can rather flourish with it or crumble. Uh, anybody, Jeremy, that you have that stands out for you on the waiver wire or anyone that I missed out on? In Dynasty, Traquan Smith, absolutely. Very talented player. The opportunity that he has now for the Saints playing with Breeze, I mean, that's something that you want to look at and redraft as well. Like right now, I don't know what you expect out of him. Maybe wide receiver three, but some good weeks. Agree on Martavis Bryant. Opportunity is there, right? Cooper's gone. They don't really have much beyond Jordy Nelson and a tight end to throw to uh, throw to the backs. I mean, they're going to need other receivers, so that presents an opportunity in itself. And then Jalen Richard, of course, because I, I just think he's got the passing game chops, and I think Gruden's going to use him. He was one of the guys early on, based on his offensive coordinator, I don't think it was his original idea, but that loved to start in the 90s, you know, throwing that ball to the running back. I think Richard has an opportunity there. And who else did you mention at running back? I, we got our running. boy Doug Martin, that's who I mentioned. Was it Raheem Mustard? Yeah, we had uh, Raheem Mostert as well, and he's a guy that's flashed a lot of talent in the last two games, especially with Breida being injured. So he's a guy to look for as well. Chris Ivory with McCoy's injury had an increase in volume this last week. Spencer Ware, who I listed. And we also have Kenyon Barner, who is going to be the second back behind James White with the Sony Michelle injury. So there actually is a decent amount of running backs on this waiver wire. Yeah, yeah so lot. I would say it's probably a half split between wide receiver and run. actually no it's more more running back but i'd say we do have a couple finds next week i would say dak prescott and michael gallup are both sneaky finds if you're looking towards next week's waiver wire already just because you know they are riding on that buy this week but not a ton of i would say major talent popping off this waiver wire but a lot of smart right. little fill-ins especially with bye weeks and injuries right now these are the guys that you're going to have to look towards we kept talking about trends and the fact that that's a necessary thing to pay attention to to be successful in fantasy football and this is the exact thing that we're talking about if you would have told me that Doug Martin was going to be a guy that I should pick up 2 3 weeks ago or any of these guys would have been a name we were talking about I wouldn't have believed you but now because of an injury it's just makes perfect sense and now it's this is the next guy up the next guy so Chris Herndon is a guy that's very interesting on the Jets scored in the last two weeks he's their tight end as well as Ben Watson I bring these names up because of the fact that the tight ends are a wasteland nowadays and everybody's injured it's tough to find consistent tight end play beyond of course the Kittle and you know Gronkowski and Kelsey Ertz all these main guys it's so hard to find fill-ins and now you see guys like David Njoku who's really starting to solidify himself who's a guy I've been high on this whole time but you're seeing guys like Chris Herndon pop up who's going to be a sneaky start for you if you don't have anybody on that team or you're still dealing with an injury Najoku, you can add to my hot list. Yeah. He's a guy I have on a lot of teams for my dynasty rosters, and, and and in the short term, he's definitely going to offer upside because of the the passing game in Cleveland and the lack of legitimate wide receivers. They have a, a lot of talent, but they don't have guys in place like a lot of other teams. So right. there's opportunities for him to catch the ball. But I, I wanted to get back real quick to Ben Watson and Chris Ivory. Absolutely need to be on rosters. Yeah. Those guys can help you out in the stretch run on the bye weeks, like you said. And Mostert, you know, to a lesser degree, depending on how many carries he gets. So I think you guys are on the, on the right track. But, uh, yeah, definitely Najoku. That guy is a beast. Uh, it's just a matter of time before he starts catching the ball in the end zone. Baker finds him. 
in those opportunities and the touchdowns get added to the catches he's been making and you'll have gotten him at a little cheaper than your buddy. My main league is you're fucking joking. That's my that's my name on that one. And really? That's been that like that's this. been that since the day we started this season. I drafted him and I think it was the eleventh round, twelfth round. I wanted to stay away from tight end. I was going for him or Trey Burton. Those are the two guys I was going for. That's a great they, plan. That, yeah. that was it. I know with tight ends I was going for more of the upside kind of and with the amount of injuries this year to all of the tight end stars, I feel even better about that. But Najoku's got that raw talent and he's got such a good connection with Baker Mayfield. So I agree. Add him to my hot list too, but that's because he's been on my hot list since the day he stepped onto a field. When I see that athleticism on him, it scares me. Of course, if um, he has the right quarterback, it's going to be a crazy, crazy fit. I think he's finally starting to figure it out with Baker Mayfield right now. I'm going to move on just to a couple fantasy football notes, notes around NFL, kind of the league in general, and just kind of hear what you guys have to say. A couple records that happened this last week. Odell Beckham Jr. has reached 5,000 career receiving yards in fewer games than any other player since the merger. He did that in 54 games. The player he actually passed, Julio Jones, who accomplished that in 56 games. So two of the players that we're watching right now and, of course, talking about on a week-to-week basis – Two of the fastest to reach this mile marker. So fast, so explosive, and putting it up so quick in their careers. Adam Thielen, 153 receptions, 1,878 yards. Right now paced for 407 PPR points. The most of all time. Insane, and of course Adam Thielen, a guy that was a walk-on player. So this is a great story. He is right now playing as the best receiver in the league. No doubt about it. And his uh, chemistry with Kirk Cousins, incomparable. I mean, those two guys for the foreseeable future, that's just a, a great connection you want to be part of. Would you want Adam Thielen for the rest of the way over any other receiver? You mean this season? or? Yep, this, just this season, yeah. Yeah, I would say yes. I would say everyone but Antonio Brown. I think once maybe Le'Veon comes back, that could provide a little spark and just get Antonio to the Antonio he is. He's playing great right now, but we all know he can... It's it's just with exactly. Adam Thiel, it's with Adam Thielen what you just said with the rapport with Kirk Cousins he's seen at least ten targets in every game it's it's his consistency that gets me and he seems when you look at his numbers when you see at least ten targets a hundred yards a touchdown in almost every game it's baffling you're sitting there almost looks fake almost looks made up and it's not flukes it it's not Tyreek Hill or any of these guys where. You know, some weeks he's the wide receiver 30, some weeks he's wide receiver 40, but then when he does do well, he's the wide receiver one with, you know, four touchdowns and 200 yards receiving, and you do that multiple times a year, but then the other weeks, it's kind of, there's weeks you'll catch him getting just two fantasy points, and you get screwed, but on other weeks, he's winning your week for you, and that's the inconsistency with fantasy that you love, but you also hate. And with Adam and Thielen, I mean, unbelievable. Thielen's First a rock. Of all, he's become a polished route runner, right? Yes. And, he, and he's become so good at, at the little things, at the nuances. And then on top of what he was already doing last year, he's got cousins dropping dimes. Just yeah. like, he doesn't even have to move. It's right on his fingertips. It, it's beautiful. And I think for the rest of this season, you know, the next, you know, eight games or so, that's that's the guy that I think I would want right now because he's so hot as a trend. Um, you know, long term it would. You know, I'd, I'd look at that a little differently. But right now, this season, man, that's the hottest combo I can think of. I completely agree. It's that consistent hotness too that's going to keep going week in and week out. Let's talk most passing yards through 165 games in NFL history. Matt Ryan, number one, 44,131. 
Drew Brees, 44,079. Dan Marino at three. Peyton Manning at four. And Phillip Rivers at five. So currently three quarterbacks that are active on this list. Matt Ryan has the most yards through 165 games in NFL history. What do you guys think about this one? Adam, I'm going to start with you. Why can't he throw a touchdown to Julio Jones? It's driving me freaking mad. But <laughs> I want to hear your guys' thoughts on the fact that his stat-wise, he's been one of the best. It truly is mind-blowing that they can't just lob it up to Julio three straight plays and that he wouldn't catch one, one, of one them. pass in the end of them. zone, you know? It's just crazy. It's weird how he just doesn't get touchdowns, but I've actually bought into it. I just think it's a thing. Julio Jones does not catch touchdowns. There are some just weird things no, in the NFL. He's, he's just... allergic. He's allergic to the end zone. We exactly, already, we already you know, went over this. Exactly. I think, believe it or not, I think the guy that will break Matt Ryan's record is Matthew Stafford. I think once he hits 165 games, he'll take out Matt Ryan. Because he's been passing so much for so long. They finally have that balanced offense for him now, and it's starting to see a lot more fluid on the Detroit side of the ball. But before this year, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher since Nam, and he's been throwing the ball like crazy his whole career. So I I actually agree with you. Matthew Stafford, stat-wise, will probably be right up here with the best of them. I love Stafford. He's always been a fan favorite of mine. I, I try to get him in as many leagues as possible. I mean, they just can't keep a good, healthy running back. What the heck's going on up in Detroit, Adam? I mean, seriously, it's, it's where the running wa- backs go the to water, die. I'm sorry. that I've made in, in Dynasty Football. It really is. It's the water. I mean, it, it's weird. I, on Johnson has shown some light, and I think the reason why he, he hasn't been getting the full workload and Patricia's been kind of splitting the carries up is because he said in the beginning of the year he doesn't want to be a full workload type guy. He kind of wants to have the majority of the carries but not be that three down back workhorse. He wants to have a career. (laughs) 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 And I think the system has been working of kind of just splitting up the carries, allowing carry on to have fresh legs throughout the game and allowing each player to kind of just get the ball with their set of like fresh legs rather than run a guy and have him be tired and get the ball. Just a couple more notes that I'm going to say. Stay away from the Saints if you have a running back on your squad. They are very hard to run against. They are allowing a league low 72.3 yards per game allowed. If you have other options, make sure you're checking out those other options. For the other end of quarterbacks, wide receivers, I'd stay away from Ravens and the Jaguars, of course. Both are the two overall top defenses and the top two defenses against the pass. So if you're a quarterback or a wide receiver and you're playing the Ravens or the Jaguars, just be wary. If you got better options, I'd probably look towards that way. One thing I wanted to add, because you 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 raised a great point when you were talking about the quarterbacks, but I want you to know that all the quarterbacks and the statistics you mentioned, I'd trade any of them right now for Dan Marino if he were still in <laughs> But, uh, you know, Matt Ryan gets no love. None at all. I, I mean, no in love. Dynasty and Fantasy, I mean, he's just that guy that's kind of like the unsung hero. He, he's fine. He, I mean, I know he's not throwing to Julio, which is maddening, but... You know, his stats are pretty good, but uh, people just don't like him. One of those crazy, mind-blowing things when you think Matt Ryan, you think choked on the Super Bowl, can't throw a touchdown to Julio. You just keep thinking of inside the 10-yard mark and the red zone, just those same plays over and over again. It's pretty much this the Falcon goal line play. But then you look at the statistics and you look at the fact that they made that Super Bowl and you look at the fact that this right. team has actually been very good since drafting Matt Ryan. He turned around a franchise that was in a lot of trouble, so... 
Matt Ryan does deserve more credit, especially with you, Jalen Ramsey, calling him overrated. Really talking shit about all those quarterbacks. You might have lit a fire underneath the league. I think it was Jalen Ramsey's fault is the reason why there's such a pass-heavy offense nowadays. It's because every quarterback was like, you know what, just... Go screw yourself, man. I'm about to just put up a crazy year. And now we got record-setting years left and right right now. I think it's the Jalen Ramsey effect. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to list my rankings, kind of have you guys comment on them, starting with quarterback. Going Pat Mahomes, number one. So hard to not have him in your top three week in and week out. Even though he's playing Denver, which is a ferocious defense that really banged up Josh Rosen last week. This isn't Josh Rosen. This is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense. He's going to be the number one quarterback this week. Jared Goff is actually my number two quarterback. I know it's very high up there, but he's playing Green Bay. I like their secondary, actually, but they're very young. And Sean McVay is going to completely tear them up. So Jared Goff is poised for a huge game. And this is going to be a shootout. So I got Aaron Rodgers as my number three playing the Rams defense. It's Aaron Rodgers, and it's all about game script. I have Kirk Cousins next against New Orleans. Ben Roethlisberger next against the Browns. Tom Brady next against the Bills. Drew Brees against Minnesota, Jameis Winston against the Bengals, Andrew Luck against Oakland, Deshaun Watson versus Miami, Cam Newton versus Baltimore at 11, so I have him very far back this week because of the fact that he's playing Baltimore, and then Andy Dalton against Tampa Bay. I like it. Actually, it's a really good list. I, I did not hear Baker Mayfield, though. I did not have him on my list this week. Yes, <laughs> no. That's a guy I'd add to mine, uh, but your list is, is a really great start. I should borrow it, and then add <laughs> You just let me know when you need my list. I got you. We got running back here, starting with Todd Gurley versus Green Bay. He's number one. Saquon Barkley, number two against Washington. Kareem Hunt, number three, against Denver. This is one that I'm going to really highlight. I think he's going to Yeah, complete. Kareem Hunt, he's, he's turned it on. He, he could be. He actually is one of my high risers. And I know, I know exactly why that is, because the second he turned it on is when me and Adam started doing our signed a Kareem Hunt hat giveaway on Twitter. Oh, that's right. I so saw that. The second Can we I put that up. How do I win it? I want that hat. All you got to do is follow, you- follow Adam's page, follow ours, and retweet it. That's it. But if you're on Twitter, make sure you go find that tweet. We'll retweet it after the podcast so that you guys can have a chance to go retweet that. Make sure you have to be following our page at FFB Unwrapped and Adam's page at Everyday FFB. And we're going to be releasing it before the Mexico City Monday night game with the Rams coming up mid-month. So as soon as that comes up, we're going to be releasing that. I know Adam was just talking to me about another future giveaway coming up, which is a big one, of course. Melvin Gordon signed jersey coming up soon, so you got to keep your eyes out for that. Not 100% sure when we're going to be dropping that, but we will be dropping that somewhat soon. For now, focus on Kareem Hunt and the fact that we are the reasons that he is having such a great fantasy football season (laughs) now. Amen. (laughs) We got James Conner, number four, against the Browns. Five, Joe Mixon against Tampa Bay. Six, Alvin Kamara versus Minnesota. Seven, David Johnson versus San Francisco. Eight, James White versus Buffalo. I know James White is a top five in some people, but for me, he's still a top 10 play. Top eight, that's very generous for me, and I think James White's going to do very well against Buffalo. Marlon Mack is actually here at number nine this week against Oakland. I think he's going to absolutely tear this Oakland defense up, at least for the short term right now. I'm just looking at this week against Oakland. I really, it's jumping off the page for me. Christian McCaffrey. Number 10 versus Baltimore. Usually McCaffrey's at times top five, depending on the matchup, just because of his versatility. He's playing the Ravens, like I said. 
still breaks the top 10 technically for me. He's number 10, but it's barely over Nick Chubb for me against against Pittsburgh. And then Philip Lindsay, number 12 against Kansas City this week. Right outside, you know, I got on Johnson right outside and, you know, Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, Jordan Howard. But Jordan Howard's just someone I wanted to bring up really quick. Him and Tariq Cohen, they're pretty much a split backfield now, right? Yeah. Adam. It really has turned into a split backfield. It seemed like George Howard was going to kind of just run away with this number one spot, yeah. and Tariq Cohen was going to be kind of a little uh, Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles kind of guy. Exactly, yeah. Darren Sproles type guy. But Tariq Cohen has actually played very good, and he's earned his carries. And I think the team has started to realize the more weapons we can put around Trubisky, the more weight we can take off his shoulders the better we'll be. And I think the both of them are better than just one of them playing at once. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And what about you, Jeremy? What's your take on that? I'd love to see Tariq Cohen get involved. I have him in a lot of places. It didn't look good early on this season, but they finally got him involved. That has you know synergy for that entire offense, like Adam alluded to. I mean, honestly, getting Trubisky as many weapons as possible on any given play. Howard's not the greatest pass catcher. I mean, he can do it. He's no Carlos Hyde. He can't do it all, but um, you know he's pretty good. I love your list. I, I like that you guys do that every week. I saw that you do that. And I think you guys have a lot of insight where where that's concerned. I just go with my star players at running back. I think the way you're doing it is the right way because it's not static. I mean, rankings are changing every week. Oh, thank you so much for that, of course. And, you know, we're analytical and annoying here, so we're going to stay on it week in and week out. And <laughs> Are you going to tell us some stats? <laughs> I'm going to stay away from my stats. I'm going to hide that in my drawer where I was actually taking them out right now. I'm going to put it right back and silently throw them away. I'm going to go just wide receiver rankings really quick. Adam Thielen, the guy that we were just talking about, number one against the Saints, such a beast. I'm just so excited to see the kind of numbers that he ends this year with. Number two, Antonio Brown. Number three, A.J. Green against Tampa Bay. Very good matchup for him. Number four, Tyreek Hill against Denver. He's going to tear them up. Hopkins versus Miami. Adams against the Rams. Then I have Michael Thomas versus Minnesota. Odell Beckham Jr. versus Washington. I have Brandon Cooks against Green Bay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, and then Jarvis Landry against Pittsburgh. Right there at the back end, right outside my top 12, I have Stephon Diggs, Robert Woods, and Emmanuel Sanders. These are guys that are all playing very well, and of course with situational football and fantasy here, we're talking week-to-week basis. So make sure you check out those rankings. If you would like, you can always message one of us. For any kind of start-sit questions, our full rankings, I don't always post them online. Usually just keep them just for the podcast, but I can always send those over to you if you ever need just a list to work off of. I know I work very hard putting those together, and for the stardom sit that we usually throw out too, just take our advice. You know, I'd say we're never always right, but we are doing pretty damn good trying to nail a lot of these, so... Definitely on the right path. And, of course, thank you so much for giving that very nice compliment. I really do appreciate that, Jeremy. And, of course, you joining the podcast with us. It's been an absolute pleasure today and such a fun podcast recording with you. So I really do appreciate you taking the time with Adam and I today. Hey, thank you for having me. This was a blast. I, I really enjoyed talking all this through with you guys. I, I hope I helped a little bit. Oh, you totally. guys have a really great podcast at FFB Unwrapped. Um, I follow you guys. I, I like your work. And uh, maybe we can have you on our podcast sometime as well. I'll jump on whenever, of course, Adam, too. So we would absolutely love to whenever and continue building the relationships. Have you on hopefully 
sometime later on in the year. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know. Of course. Yeah. I'll just remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Adam at Everyday FFB. You can also follow our special guest, Jeremy, at DFF underscore Madman, the host of Dynasty Trades HQ. Make sure you check out that as well. Senior editor, writer, and analyst for DFF underscore Dynasty. Go follow all of those pages as well. Please go check out rotoassurance.com. If you are playing fantasy football and you have a star that's injury prone, a Fournette, a Freeman, any of these guys that right now are starting to look like the injuries are starting to catch up, you need to insure your fantasy players. This is the first fantasy football insurance company. They're able to give you back your investment that you put down if your star player misses at least eight games. So if you're able to put this very smart, go check out rotosurance.com. If you use the promo code unwrapped, you'll get 20% off your one-time purchase. Just like we say, fantasy football is an investment, so protect that investment, especially if you are drafting sketchy players or guys with injury history and taking risk. Protect that risk. Go to Roto Assurance. Make sure you use promo code UNWRAPPED. Make sure to go on our Twitter and retweet that tweet for the Kareem Hunt signed hat as well, and make sure you're following our page and Adams. Look at our podcast on the podcast.com website as well as the Apple Podcast app. We will see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Good luck this week.